we like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for April 6th, 2014. And uh, today we're going to be covering really a ton of different topics, a lot of different uh, end time type current events, uh, kind of as usual. Uh, it's going to be a rather large study. I really don't know how many parts this is going to go into. It's about a 19-page PDF, but there's a lot of uh, sound bites that we're going to be playing as well. And uh, figure we'll kick it off with the whole Fort Hood shooting and subjects that relate to that regarding our military. The first report is epidemic, at least 22 veterans commit suicide each day in America. 22 each day. The Fort Hood shooting is an extreme and shocking example of what has become a chronic concern for the military. Soldiers with mental health problems taking their own lives. And it's not just the active duty military which face what has become an increasingly daunting problem. At least 22 veterans commit suicide each day according to Veterans Affairs Department. So that's probably conservative. Because typically the government is always going to lowball these figures. So this adds up to more than 2,000 veterans killing themselves so far this year alone. That's We're just into April uh, at the time of the writing of this, I imagine. Yeah, it was probably just the end of March. <clears throat> and the military community is facing what advocates refer to as a suicide epidemic. So we're going to be looking at that subject of the first part here. Why are all of these soldiers and veterans committing suicide? Now, I have a testimony regarding this. Uh, not for myself. I've never been in the military, but <clears throat> I was, oh, man... Six, seven years ago, I was called by a army colonel, I guess you could call him a retired army colonel, uh, to come up to North Carolina into the mountains where he lived and just stay with him and his wife for it's about five days. And I just kind of went. I went kind of uh, sight unseen, didn't really know him that well, didn't really, you know, had never really conversed with him that much, but had heard him on the internet, and uh, went up into the mountains, and man, what a wild five days that was, but one of the main things that happened, and probably one of, I would have to say, the main reason that I went up there, is he was kind of bringing me around all of his, a lot of his acquaintances up there, people that he knew, and I don't know, I just was like trying to help them with different things. Some of them had health issues. Some of them had things that, that maybe they needed counseling on biblically. I counseled him and his wife, which was kind of weird. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not a pastor. All I call myself is a watchman. And I ended up being like this multitasking Swiss army knife kind of thing when I was up there, and, and I mean, I praise the Lord, it was really neat, um, all the things I got to experience, but one of the things that was uh, most, I guess, amazing, because I kept seeing this over and over again, all of these, I don't know if you want to call them divine appointments, but um, <clears throat> we pull into this post office, now, <laughs> this colonel, he was the most disorganized person I think I've ever been around in my life, and 
we were supposed to go to this post. I mean, it had been like two or three hours in the making. And he needed to get to this one. We were up in the mountains. It wasn't like it was just right around the corner. We had to drive a little ways to get to it. And we finally get to this post office. And he goes in there. And I don't know, it was like ten minutes later. I'm like, man, you know, what's going on in here? I don't think he had to actually, I think it was like he was checking his mail or something. Ten or fifteen minutes later, he comes out and he brings this guy. His name is Bobby. And he says, and he brings him up to the, the car window. I'm in the passenger seat and he says, and I'm, I'm trying to go off recall. This is like six or seven years ago. So, um, And he says, this is the man I told you about. And he's like, he's like, hey doc, this guy needs to, needs to talk to you, and now, he says, he's a veteran like me, now, the colonel, what he had described to me, what he had been through, and I'm talking black ops, high level stuff, I mean, it it was, (laughs) it's unlike anything I've ever heard, Uh, I mean, just, I never heard anything like the stuff that he's been through, traumatized, and in um, the way the, the government treats the troops and stuff. And so I said, listen, I said, um, yeah, man, I'd be glad to talk to you, but you know, it's kind of like we're, you're in transition. I'm in transition. You know, uh, why don't you, uh, the, the, the Colonel invited him up to the house that night and, um, so I'm, I'm trying to do this from, from recall exactly what happened so I'm accurate in the story. Because the colonel lived up on this mountain, and that's where we were, I was staying, and he um, he had a big, like a, <clears throat> I don't know what you would call it, a barn, but it was it was like a, uh, it was where he did, did a lot of welding. And he did a lot, he spent, we spent a lot of time in there at night. He'd be actually be welding and we'd be talking and stuff like that. And it was way up on the side of this mountain. And so he invited him over, uh, Bobby. I don't want to give his last name, but I, I remember he's, he's, um, on my email list still. And so we come in there and, um, Bobby shows up and he's in, He's in like military dress, not not like formal military, but he's dressed up in his like army stuff, fatigues and the jacket and the you know it was kind of unusual, you know. I didn't know what did I know. I'll tell you a little bit later. Evidently, I mean I I was just learning as I went, and so I just sit down and just start listening to him. That's all I did, really. And he starts telling me about how this tour, he went to Haiti. And, I don't know, and it was with black ops. (laughs) He was in some black ops out. So it's like, Colonel was in black ops, this guy was in black, Colonel didn't know this guy. This wasn't something like that was contrived where, you know, we had no idea when we were going to get to this post office. I mean, it, it, it could have been a literal three-hour range. He walks in and he walks out with this guy he had never even met before, introduces him to me, and they were both in black ops. He wasn't as high of a level as, as the colonel. He, the colonel was like literally his whole life. He was still in it to a certain extent. So, <clears throat> I start talking to him. He tells me about all this horrific stuff that had happened to him in Haiti. I mean, 
hardcore terrible stuff. Evidently, from what I remember, he got there and I got I think he got separated from his from his outfit when they were on some patrol. Now, you have to understand, I've got a lot of experience dealing with Haitian people. Okay? I have battled high-level voodoo witch doctors that literally put death curses on me and were trying to kill me. And it was known all the way to Miami they were trying to kill me. It was every every voodoo witch doctor between Fort Myers and Miami where I lived in southwest Florida. I found the cursed bottle of Haitian rum they had buried upside down on the property I worked at when I was a chiropractor in Fort Myers, Florida. The Lord took me right to it and I found it one day. Right after it had been buried. In the middle of the day. I mean, if you don't believe me, listen to Key and Supernatural in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. And, I mean, they broke in there. They put voodoo powder everywhere. I mean, they were trying to kill me. The guy that ended up disposing of the bottle died about two or three years later. He gunshot wounded the head. Um, everybody was totally freaked out that I touched the thing. And I told him, I said, my God's bigger than all of this. This does not intimidate me even in, in the least bit. And I'm not saying that because I'm big and bad. I'm just saying it because I, I just believe the power of the Lord Jesus Christ is so far greater than anything witchcraft could ever bring to the table. It's not that I don't respect it. But, you know, my God created the universe. You know. <laughs> Top that. So, um, a couple of the practices I worked for, we, we had some Haitian patients. I knew a little bit of Haitian, or French Creole is what they speak. I had studied Haiti. Um, done research on it. Found out that 90%... 99% of the people that practice voodoo, whereas 90% of them are also Catholic. <laughs> Why? Because the two commingle so nicely, because they both have their idolatry system already pre-built in. So Catholicism, voodoo, was totally compatible there. Um, it's it's the big reason why the, the whole country is just so cursed. It was literally dedicated to Satan when it was first formed. And um, <clears throat> so I had I had a pretty good knowledge of Haiti, from that standpoint. I mean, battled stuff. They tried to kill me um, because I tried to expose a Haitian clinic that was literally setting up um, car accidents. They were literally getting two carloads of hay, buying, getting two rental cars. This is how flagrant they were, and getting loading them up with Haitian people, and literally getting in accidents. With the two cars. And then everybody comes in and then they get the maximum insurance before they go. And then everybody comes in and they have what they call uh, $10,000 or what they call PIP. And um, personal injury protection. And they were, this is when I was in, you know, full-time practice and, and stuff. And then I, I worked for a couple different doctors who were MDs that, you know, I was familiar with this stuff. So I turned them in. I found out about it. I turned them in. I mean, it was so flagrant what they were doing, so evil. I called. I called the police. I called the FBI. I called everybody. I didn't care. I'm like, whatever. I'm like, they're not. I mean, they were literally about a ugh, fifty yards away from us where we were practicing, literally right across the parking lot. 
and and they had all their they hired this this voodoo high priest to kill me because I was creating a lot of problems for them. A corrupt attorney owned the clinic, and he had a whole bunch of corrupt Haitians that worked for him, including their pastors. That's a common thing. Oh, he's pastor this and he's pastor that. They all go under these things. I'm not being prejudicial. I'm just, I'm ta- I'm telling you, I've been there when it comes to Haitian people. Okay. For a brief time, I was really familiar. And I turned him in. It was crazy, because the FBI didn't even hardly want to talk to me. Ended up getting called into this big court case, like, years later, where I had to testify in front of a grand jury or whatever, up in Tampa. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I'm getting way off track. Anyway, I'm just trying to show you, I kind of know a little bit about Haiti. So, I go in, and I'm talking to Bobby, and he's telling me, he's just telling me what happened to him, and he said there was a time, I believe, that he had blacked out, and he didn't know what happened to him, in Haiti, when he got separated from his unit, and then he said they did, pretty sure he said something, in fact, they did very bad things to me, I know that, these Haitians that took him captive, and I have, you know, you can't even understand how evil that environment is over there, you you get, you get um, taken prisoner by some Haitian voodoo witch doctor, whatever you want to call it, juju, voodoo, whatever you want to... That is a very, very high-level form of witchcraft. That isn't like garden variety. These are people that have been doing this hundreds of years. They literally brought it over from them from the boat in Africa and then honed it and perfected it. Haitian voodoo is some of the highest-level witchcraft that you can get into. They can, do, they can put curses on people where they literally turn your guts inside out. There's people that have been had curses put on them, and they literally, when they go when they go into the hospital and they open up, they have like snakes and insects crawling out of them. I mean, it, it is not like your standard little white Wiccan going around some tree nature worship, hugging trees and stuff. It's some of the highest level witchcraft you can get into. And um, so who knows what they did to this poor guy. You know, and I think he'd been traumatized just from the military in general, and and he had this this I don't know how many day period where he didn't know what happened to him. He blacked out. He said they did bad things to me. I don't know how much of it he remembered. That he didn't probably want to tell me. And I just I just was like trying to be a friend to him. You know, just trying to like be sympathetic, compassionate. Couldn't be anything but that, really. I mean, my poor guy. I mean, I'll, well, anyway. So, I'm talking to him and he said, when I got back, he said my marriage started falling apart. And I said, did you bring anything back from you from Haiti? He said, yes. He brought back, I believe it was a vase, a really nice vase he had got from Haiti for his wife at the time. And this walking stick he said but i know the walking stick was like evil it was he i don't i don't know if he bought it or what ended up happening and you have to understand in other countries they literally will curse objects to sell to foreigners because a lot of the times they hate americans or they hate foreigners and they'll say oh it's been blessed when it's actually been cursed they can't put a blessing on it from a pagan standpoint anyway. It's only going to be a curse. It's a big fat devil. Well, this was some like literal like Haitian 
cursed magic wand walking stick or something. Nasty. And he said, I'm so afraid of this thing. He says, I keep it out in a, a Bronco that I have. A, a, a Bronco, like the Ford Bronco. He have, I have an older Bronco and it sits on the side of my house as far away from the house as I can get it on my own property. And he says, and I won't touch it. It's literally in the back. I said, well, dude, you got to get rid of that thing. I said, that could be a huge reason why you, why you're just feel like you're going crazy and your life feels cursed. I said, you brought back cursed objects. He said, but I won't touch it. I said, let's go get it now. So we get in his Bronco. I don't even, you know, I don't even really know him. We drive in the middle of the night. I mean, quite a far way away. I have no idea where I'm at. It's not that far away from where I live now, but at the time I had never, um, I wasn't familiar with this area up in North Carolina. And so, we get there, it's the night, it's, it's probably getting late, and he says, he says, it's in there. So he points over to the Bronco, so I go over, and we kind of flash our lights in the back, and, and he says, see, it's there, and it, this, this thing just had trash, just, <laughs> it was like a foot deep. And, and in the, in the back of this thing. And so I ended up having to lower like the back and like crawl in there to get this thing. He says, I won't touch it. And I, I'm like, dude, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll get it. Everything's covered. So I go in there and I crawl through all this trash and I get the walking stick, this voodoo Haitian walking stick. It's wooden. And the first thing I did is when I got out, I, I just, I just, I didn't smash it. I just cracked it kind of over my knee. I busted it right in half. I was That was what I was determined to do. Uh, not to say that would be all you would need to do, but it is going to start the process of, you know, disposing of this cursed object. And it was. It had all kind of elaborate carvings on it and voodoo stuff, and it was bad, bad, bad news. He knew it was evil. And, and then he's like, I can't believe you just touched it. I can't believe you just broke it. He was freaking out, just going nuts. And I said, it's all, it's all good. You know, this is, this is what I do, kind of, you know. I said, um, it was, it was kind of a similar reaction to when I had picked up that, uh, bottle of Haitian rum that was buried upside down on the property I was working at, and the Lord showed it to me. Um, the reaction that I got from the Haitians that saw me pick it up, they were going crazy. They went ballistic that I had even touched this thing. They acted like I was going to be dead that night. Literally. I was, that was it. The one guy started spitting on the bottle, and then he took like he had like a Walmart, um, plastic bag. He went to pick it up, and then he whisked it away. I think he threw it in the Glusache River, where I live. But again, he got his head blown off two or three years later. Um, anyway. His name, his name was Abner. Um, so, and I, that's very unfortunate. It's just that they all said they were Christians, but there was no fruit whatsoever. You know what I mean? It was one of those, oh yeah, we're Christian, and you know, they act really not Christian. Anyway, so um, I busted over my knee, and then what we did is we got back in his, I don't know if it was a car truck, anyway, and we drove back. And I just had the busted walking stick on my lap while we were driving back. And then we get there, and the colonel had this wood stove. And, I mean, this thing burned hot. And we put it in there. And, man, that thing hardly wanted to burn. It was hard to get that thing to burn. 
I mean, it was wood. You'd think, no, it, it didn't want to burn. It, it did, but it was like not a normal fire. I mean, this thing was like way hotter than a normal fire. And so the colonel was just welding and stuff, and, and, and I just talked to him and counseled him. And um, I don't know, just was his friend, and we got rid of the walking stick. I said, listen, I said, you got to go to your wife, and you got to do this. Say, listen. I don't know how you're going to broach the subject, but go to her and say, listen, I, I think I made a mistake giving you this vase that I got from Haiti. I think there might be some bad, whatever you want to say is associated with it, uh, bad energy, whatever. And you, I need to get this back from you and I will give, I will buy you something in return. In other words, it was like an exchange. I said, I'm trying to get you to get this so that you can get this out of her hands. I said, this must be, this might be the very reason you guys all divorced. These two cursed objects you brought back. Not to mention all the other stuff you went through. So, I know he ended up doing that afterward. He, got, he ended up getting the, the vase and, and destroying it later. And then... I don't know. We Everything was, was good. His countenance bright, brightened and... Um, he went and talked to the colonel a little bit, and then I was I was I was out of the barn, and in I think I was on the front porch of his house, and the colonel came up to me and said something to the effect of, he said, "Man, he said, you know, you just saved that guy's life." I said, "What do you mean?" He said he was going to kill himself tonight. I said, "What?" He says, why do you think he showed up in all his military stuff? When when veterans kill themselves, most of the time they will dress up in some type of military garb or full military dress before they do it. He said he told me he was going to kill himself. Because, see, he could confide that to another soldier that had been through it. He didn't want to tell that to me. But he said, the things that I did and the things that I spoke to him and it was through the Lord. I'm not taking any credit for this whatsoever. So, please understand that. He said, well, but, but all those things that I did, the fact that I cared, the fact that, you know, we and, and, you know, literally we broke a big curse off his life with that walking stick that night. We, and I'm sure we prayed. Yeah, I know. We, we prayed. He said he was going to kill himself. That was why he was dressed up that way. This was his last night. This was his last opportunity. You literally, it was like he was going to do it that night whether he met me or not, but he met us and he thought, well, maybe this is of God that that, that I'm going to give one more chance because I can't take it anymore, God. And he didn't kill himself. He's still on my email list to this day. So I'm not saying that to bring any whatever to myself. I will... Totally give all that to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the power of the Holy Spirit. I was just in the right place at the right time. The Lord used me in that regard. And there was other things that happened too when I was up there. That was, I think, by far the, the most important thing that happened. I even talked to him on the phone after that a, a couple times, and he's been on my email list. And So, I, I, I get this whole thing about veterans, 22 of them killing themselves every day. He, he was... Like, you know, very, very close to being that in that statistic. Um, literally that night. So, 
You never know how the Lord may use you. And you don't even think it's something that it's like that big a deal. I, I didn't really think what I was doing was extraordinary or, or whatever. It was just what comes natural, I think, to a Christian. To, to I mean, not to maybe, there maybe there's certain people I couldn't reach or minister to. Um, but God's created us all different and he might have you in a specific spot for a specific person. I needed to be there for him, that specific person. But you might need to be there for another specific person that I couldn't reach. Because we're all part of the body of Christ and, and everyone has a different function. So nobody's more important than anyone else, is what I'm trying to say. So, it really gave me, when I got done, when I got flew back after that, and that was the last time I've ever flown, too. That Right after that, they started all the stuff with the flying. I really had a different perspective on the military. Um, it, it was really personal to me about that. You know? And so, I kind of wanted to just, I don't know, give that. I've said that testimony one or two other times. I don't know if I've ever done it in that much detail. You know? But um, that's what happened. So praise the Lord. You know, praise the Lord. <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, it was. I, I get chills just thinking about it. Even to this day. I mean, that was... <laughs> so, um, so the next report is entitled, Army Admits Fort Hood Shooter Was on Psychiatric Drugs. I think Bobby, the man I dealt with, I think he was on meds, which is typical. You know, that's the the government's way, the medical system's way of dealing with emotional issues that really only the Lord Jesus Christ can heal. You can't take a drug and make trauma, make ways you've been traumatized go away with a pharmacia, pharmaceutical, mind-altering, chemically-made drug. It, it, it doesn't work. So, Lieutenant General Mark A. Miley acknowledged that the Fort Hood gunman, Ivan Lopez, was taking psychiatric medications before the shooting. This was what just happened the other day. Underscoring yet again the clear and consistent connection between mass shooting incidents and SSRI drugs. Was he on any sort of medications, SSRIs, antidepressants, anything of that nature? A reporter asked this General Miley. To which the general responded, he, quote, he was on medications, that's correct. In a subsequent report, officials also admitted that Lopez had been prescribed Ambien, a sleeping pill, associated with accidents and aggressive outbursts. 34-year-old Lopez, who shot dead three colleagues and injured 16 others before turning the gun on himself, returned from Iraq suffering from mental problems, which is what they, they want you to come back damaged. Mentally, you're fighting unjust wars to guard opium, to guard or bring in the oil pipelines, you know, to just go over there and kill a lot of civilians, and and I understand Muslims are Muslims, and and there's huge problems, obviously, but it's also like going into a hornet's nest and just trying to stir it up on purpose. It's all about money. 
I mean, I've played the video clips of them saying, yeah, we're over here guarding the, the opium fields in Afghanistan. The, the opium, opium production had been way, way, way down, and then all of a sudden, once we got over there, it went through the roof again. So they could smuggle out the opium for heroin and, and the other things they use it for. I mean, it's, it's just sick. It's, just, it's beyond sick. These are not just reasons we're over there. We're over there for people like Dick Cheney and Halliburton and, and all of their, the garbage that they're doing over there. To steal oil and, and to control it. And Anyway, so, and, there, and there's other reasons too, but, um, you know, they f- pump them full of, of these meds, these, um, uh, you know, they're around exposed, particularly over the Middle East, to depleted uranium. They vaccinate them to the gills. We're going to get into we're going to get into a lot of these different aspects today on this, and and so you can get the totality, somewhat the totality of why the veterans and the troops are suicidal. You know, if you're fighting for something true and just and righteous, you know, but the 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 military has become so corrupted and leavened. That's another thing, you know, that they're going to just try to drive that out of you because of all the stuff that's going on in the military. And I'm going to get into that. So please, if you're like, oh, you're, you're, I don't believe, okay, well then just, just stick around. He that judgeth the matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him, the Bible says. So I'm going to give you a ton of different reasons why this is exactly the case and that I'm not exaggerating and if anything, I'm underestimating because I'm probably not even going to be able to list all the reasons for this. So, <clears throat> 34-year-old Lopez shot dead three colleagues and injured 16 others before turning the gun on himself, which is classic. So they always turn the gun on themselves, because that's their programming. I believe he was a mind control slave, which is what mind control slaves do. They always kill themselves in the end. Oh, hey, how convenient. No witnesses. You can't, you can't interrogate him. You can't interview him. And it said he returned from Iraq suffering mental problems, according to officials. The obvious link between psychiatric drugs, violent outbursts, is a common theme that crops up in almost every mass shooting incident. Yet the media is routinely low to make the connection. After it emerged that the Washington Navy Yard shooter, Aaron Alexis, had been treated by the Veterans Administration for his mental problems, this is another uh, Navy Yard shooter uh, that happened not too long ago, the press showed little interest in discovering what drugs Alexis had been taking. The only medication currently offered by the VA for mental problems are SSRI drugs. Um, Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, I believe is what that stands for. They totally modify your brain chemistry, something that would never, ever naturally occur by itself if you took like an herb or a vitamin or a mineral. They manipulate brain chemistry and turn you into... In certain cases, a like somebody that would do things that with no conscience, like they're on demonic autopilot. And I believe there are devils literally associated with these drugs because this is where we get the root word for pharmakia, or sorcery, in the Bible from. We're going to get into that as well. Staff Sergeant Robert Bales was also taking antidepressant drugs when he massacred 16 Afghan civilians in 2012. SSRI medications, which are known to cause violent outbursts, are routinely used to treat PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, 
which are in which in part explains why there are so many stories about both active duty and returning troops carrying out acts of inexplicable violence on a regular basis. Despite it being reported that prescription drugs were found in the apartment of the Batman shooter, James Holmes, days after the Aurora massacre, it took nine months to find out exactly what those drugs were, and by then, things had totally blown over. Like the Columbine killer Eric Harris, Holmes had been taking Zoloft, another SSRI drug linked to violent outbursts. It's the common denominator every single time. In other words, it's the key ingredient that these mind control slaves need to have. Because when, when witchcraft is performed uh, and on high levels too, you, you always see pharmacia involved. It's, it's necessary for the devils being able to influence the person, to indwell the person properly, which means to control the person. The pharmacia is necessary for that. That's why they do this. So, as the website SSRI Stories profusely documents, there are literally hundreds of examples of mass shootings, murders, and other violent episodes that have been committed by individuals on psychiatric drugs over the past three decades. Hundreds. Now, there, there's a link to this. Okay, SSRI Stories, you can click on it, it's SSRIStories.com, and it documents the literally hundreds of examples of these mass shootings and murders. On these drugs, okay? So this isn't like, oh, you're just making all that up. No, it's like every time. <laughs> it's like every time. Uh, can you imagine if they could, if, if like, yeah, we found out that all of these people um, that, that, that did all of these mass shootings took this particular herb. They were all taking valerian root. And and it's the common. You know that Valerian would have been so demonized, and in in like it would have been just one more excuse for them to try to ban another herb or whatever. But it's not the case. It's always the SSR, and, and they get a free pass because wicked and evil men, you know, who are controlled by Satan, rule the earth, own the pharmaceutical companies, own the advertising own the newspapers, own the media, and they can do and say whatever they want. You know. So, the number of cases is staggering. But the media has completely failed to generate a national conversation about the issue due to its obsession with exploiting mass shootings to demonize the Second Amendment. That's why they're doing it. Take away our guns. See, it's the gun that did it. It's not the shooter who was totally traumatized to begin with from the military, most of the time, and who were on these SSRI drugs, which totally basically make you demon-infested, as far as I can see, through the pharmacia, witchcraft, brain-altering, chemistry-altering, and then there's a demonic component as well. It's the gun's fault, though. The gun sprouted little legs, and, and maybe the gun was on SSRIs. He was taking his meds. The uh, 9 millimeter Glock was taking his meds, and and he took a little too much. Zoloft one day. And the gun sprouted legs and walked into the movie theater and killed everybody. No, it was the guy wielding the gun. Guns, guns are neither good nor evil. They take on the personality of the possessor. Guns can be used to defend people. Guns can be used to defend innocent people, women and children and orphans. 
in that regard. They're used as a tool of righteousness in that regard. Or they can be used for wickedness in the tool of a madman. Funny, all of these mass shootings that occur are always in gun-free zones. So the only one that has a gun is the psychopathic mind-control killer. How convenient. How satanically perfect. I'm just kind of restating the obvious, really. So, that I've stated many times in the past. This is all about demonizing the Second Amendment. The very remedy for this is people to be armed. Concealed carry, these types of things, in these gun-free zones, which would absolutely, totally annihilate the crime rates that are committed in these gun-free zones. Chicago just just um, instituted concealed carry, and their crime rates are their gun crime rates are already plummeting after they've been going up every single year. I just put out that that report the other day. So it's a proven fact over and over and over again: guns in the hands of law-abiding citizens always will be a deterrent to gun violence and other types of crime. Because that criminal is going to think twice about walking into a movie theater where people might be armed, or walking into a military center where people might be armed. The most crazy thing in the world. Fort Hood, a a military base, nobody's armed? (laughs) That that makes sense. Other than maybe the MPs? It's, It's insane. Pharmaceutical giants who produce drugs like Zoloft, Prozac, and Paxil spend about... Four no two point four billion dollars a year, and there's a link to a lot of these things that I'm citing, so you can actually click on the link and read that this is not just made up. Two point four billion a year on direct to consumer television advertising every year by running negative stories about prescription drugs. Networks risk losing tens of millions of dollars in ad revenue. It's always about the money which is undoubtedly one of the primary reasons why the connection is habitually downplayed or ignored entirely. Now, I I gave you here, um, on page 3 of the PDF, my six-part series I did on on sorcery, pharmaceuticals, and the roots of the modern-day drug industry. Six-part, and then the last two parts are the shocking truth about vaccinations and inoculations. So it kind of dovetails into that. So it's six parts, they're all here, you can click on them, or you can just key in sorcery in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, you'll find them that way. Now I'm just going to read you the, the basically the description of this teaching, though. Pharmakia is a form of the Greek wor- root word from which we get our English words pharmacy, pharmacist, pharmaceutical. In the Bible, pharmakia carried with it the idea of sorcery, occultism, and black magic. It is in this sense that Paul used the term in Galatians 5.20 as the word witchcraft. Literally, it's translated as witchcraft, pharmakia, okay, in the Bible, which is where, again, we get the words pharmacy, pharmacist, pharmaceutical, the root word. In Revelation 9.21 and 18.23, it is translated sorceries. And remember, in the Bible, it says that that's one of the, the, basically, the main way that the false prophet and the Antichrist are going to deceive the whole world through their signs and lying wonders and miracles and sorceries. Do you find it rather disturbing that approximately 60% of the population 
60% at the time of the writing of this, is taking at least one pharmaceutical drug every day. Some are taking up to 15 and 20. It's true. I had patients that were. Not, I mean, like, a lot of them, when I worked with those MDs that I told you about. 15 to 20. I, I mean, you can't even imagine how hard that is on, on your liver and your kidneys and any the organs of detoxification in your body. I mean, we are told that we are living during a time of the greatest medical breakthroughs in the history of the world, yet over 100 million Americans suffer from various health problems. Why has such a large majority of the world become so dependent on pharmaceutical drugs? Well, it's all by design. Perhaps you're one of the hundreds of millions around the world that is ingesting a daily dose of pharmaceutical medicine. Is it possible that the pharmaceutical-slash-medical cartel has disease treatment and not a disease cure in mind? Well, if it did have that, why don't you ever get to the point where you can go off the drug? I mean, I understand. Oh, yeah, I took a cycle of antibiotics, I went off it. Yeah, but you know what it does? Kills all your good flora, devastates your own immune system, which sets you up for, to a yeast infection, and it gets sick again in another month or two. So it is reoccurring revenue, and it is something you've got to keep doing over and over and over again. Typically. <laughs> That's the way it works, okay? That is how they all work. They're all drugs are designed for reoccurring revenue. These are stocks that are traded in on Wall Street, and they are interested in getting as much profit for their shareholders and for their company as possible, and you can't generate that type of profit if you cannot generate reoccurring revenue. A drug that would literally cure something and you never have to take it again, well, then you never have to take it again. But what if you have to take it ongoing the rest of your life? And hey, guess what? That drug has side effects. And you're going to have to take another drug to counteract a whole bunch of those side effects and then that drug has side effects. So you're going to have to take more drugs to counteract those. Where does it ever end? It doesn't. This is all by design. They do it to control you they do it to make you sick, weak, easily controlled. Then there's the demonic component, which you can't even see that. Who knows what that's doing? The most powerful German economic corporate emporium in the first half of this century was known as IG Farben and was nothing more than a powerful cartel of the current companies, BASF. Remember, they advertise every once in a while on TV, we don't make the products you use, we make the products you use better. That's BASF. Bear, as in bear aspirin, okay, who is just, they're so wicked, I could do probably a 10-part study on bear. And hoist. And other German chemical pharmaceutical companies. That's what IG Farben essentially split into after World War II. IG Farben was the single largest donor to the election campaign of Adolf Hitler. And the beginning of the, and it was also the beginning of the modern day pharmaceutical industry. So they have the wonderful distinction, IG Farben of being the single largest donor to Adolf Hitler, and also being the literal bedrock foundation for the modern-day pharmaceutical industries. If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Bible says. Psalm 11, verse 3. Well, you can't do a whole lot. Well, this was corrupt from the very, very beginning. 
So that was why we should be questioning anything that comes out of the medical profession because they've always had a very evil hidden agenda from the very inception of it. Start going all the way back to I.G. Farben, the main contributor to Hitler. Hitler would have, World War II wouldn't have even happened without I.G. Farben. Not, not near, I mean, if, if Hitler could have even pulled it off, I don't think he could, would have got into power without, without their money behind him. Would have never happened. It's that big of a deal. Zyklon B, an extermination gas produced by Hoist, one of the companies of IG Farben, was used to kill millions of innocent people in the death camps. The U.S. government's investigation of all factors leading to World War II in 1946 came to the conclusion that without IG Farben, the Second World War would have not been possible. So they had really wonderful fruit right from the get-go. IG Farben. Which just changed their name and split into a whole bunch of different companies afterward. And a lot of them, just what they did is a lot of these Nazi war criminals just laid low for a couple years. Some of them didn't even lay low hardly at all. And then they just went back and took their positions in these companies that would protect them. A lot of them we brought over here through Project Paperclip and Werner von Braun and the uh, um, Mengele and these types of people to do mind control experiments and rocket stuff and had a lot to do with us supposedly getting to the moon and all these other things, our space programs, nuclear bomb, um, all that fun stuff. Had a lot to do with perfecting because we used Nazi scientists that we brought over after World War II. Some of those wicked, a lot of the doctors that worked in the the, uh, death camps, you know, that's the legacy of IG Farben. That's the foundation of our modern day pharmaceutical industry. IG Farben was the bedrock. And without World War II, without IG Farben, World War II would have not been possible. And that was determined by a U.S. government's investigation. Who typically, they're going to, you know, be conservative in what they say. (laughs) So, let's go further. Fort Hood and all the other mass shootings are mind control shooters. This is a comment on one of the websites I read. It said, I believe the latest Fort Hood shooter is another program shooter. Once again, the shooter kills, wounds several, and then kills himself. I mean, this is this just has happened over and over and over again. By pro- programming the shooter to kill himself after the spree, um, killing is the best way to, killing himself is the best way to prevent a forensic psychologist from deconstructing the original programming. Shooter after mass shooter kills himself, or like the Arizona shooter, he has a weapon malfunction and is captured trying to kill himself. So that, that's a, that's the case a lot of times too. They have a weapon malfunction, they can't kill themselves in time before they're taken custody, or they would have done it. You would have to be deaf, dumb, and blind not to see the pattern in the mass shootings of recent times. You hear that no one can be made to do anything under hypnosis they would normally not do, which is total disinformation. There's a famous 
hypnotist demonstration where a young woman who dislikes handguns is hypnotized. The young woman is programmed to use a prop handgun to then shoot another woman, which she does. A prop handgun. Remember, it's not real. On stage. When confronted with her actions, the subject cannot believe she even handled a handgun, much less could have used it to harm someone else. I've seen these. You go to these, I haven't been to one in a long time, but you go to like a fair. They've always got a hypnotist there that'll have a crowd of people and he'll hypnotize people from the audience. And they'll do all kind of crazy stuff. They'll go up there and like do, act like a chicken or, or whatever. I'm telling you, that stuff is 100% demonic. Don't ever get hypnotized. Can like hypnosis or hypnotize in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. It's talked about this many times. You, I mean, these people that get this done to them a lot, they have a much, much higher rate of suicide. Um, proven fact. You are literally allowing devils. It's almost like playing with a Ouija board. You are literally allowing devils to come in and inhabit your body. You are giving up control of your soul and spirit over to some demon-infested devil that's putting you in an altered state of consciousness. Don't ever do it. There's no gray area here. Hypnotic regression, I don't care what the excuse is. Well, yeah, but my, you know, my, they told my mom, because she was in all that new age stuff, she comes back to me one day, she's like, yeah, I was a little Dutch boy in a former life. I'm like, really, mom? Wow, I, I didn't have you pegged for that. Were you on the can of paint? The little Dutch boy paint can? I mean, I couldn't be, help but be sarcastic. The Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. We don't just to get to keep coming around, you know, oh, I was a dung beetle in a former life. And then I turned into a lemur, because I did things a little better. You know, I mean, this is this is the whole thing of, like, Hinduism and stuff, and their caste system, and, and you know, it's garbage. The great wheel of karma. So, let's go further here. Uh, so this hypnotism stuff is bad news. So what we are seeing, and this is back to the comment, what we are seeing is not random violence. The program shooters are programmed to kill for a hidden agenda, which I believe to be gun control and eventual gun confiscation. Absolutely. They keep thinking, if we just have enough of these shootings, we can just keep demonizing and demonizing and demonizing and blaming the gun... Not the people on the mind control, the, the, the programmed, literal mind control slave that literally had this as their mission, that was on SSRI drugs, that was probably demon infested to the toenails. No, we, we'll blame the gun, because it's the gun's fault. Okay, well what if they used a butcher knife? Well, we'll blame it on the butcher knife? No, they probably wouldn't want to. There's not, there's not, that's not as big of a deal. So, what about ball bat? Oh, yeah, well, probably not on the ball bat as much. It's not, we won't talk about that as much. We want to demonize the guns. Because that's what we want. Because we're good and we know it's best for you. Even though it's a proven fact, every time they confiscate a gun, whether it be Adolf Hitler, Stalin, Pol Pot, you name it, Mao Zedong, um, they confiscate the guns, then they come to blow you away. Proven fact every time. Millions and millions and millions and millions of deaths by these homicidal maniacs, and we got one in the White House right now, proves that gun control does work. Oh, it works for the tyrant that's wanting to kill you and annihilate you and your family. 
they don't like competition. They, they want everybody to be disarmed. So only the psychopaths and the government have the guns. The program shooters are programmed to kill for a hidden agenda. Again, which he believes is gun control and gun confiscation. The evil firearm, which is an inanimate device, is blamed for the mass death. When in fact, more guns in law-abiding citizens' hands equals less crime and less violence every time. Proven statistically over and over again worldwide. If you want to zero in on the one real cause of gun violence and mass shootings, one only need to ask who stands to gain from these mass shootings. The top of my suspect list is the criminal government who are starting to fear the common people. Now, I put a link here to... And listen, I understand there's controversy about Fritz Springer. I, I get that, okay? But I've read enough of his teachings to know there's a lot you can glean if you so choose to go down that path. And his books are essentially all available for free online. I understand you can buy them, but there's also a lot of downloads. Here's a download to the book, The Illuminati Formula to Create an Undetectable Mind Control Slave. I'm not saying take every word as the gospel truth, but you can glean from it, and it'll give you a pretty good idea of how all of this comes about. Better than anything I've ever seen. Chapter 1 of this book. Here's a link to it. It's free. If you try to find this book, like an original copy of his like original black leather ones, they're into the thousands of dollars last time I checked, because they've all been burned. The Illuminati's confiscated them all. They can't really do that on the internet. But a long time ago, they came in and burned his books. I, I, I correspond with Fritz in prison, by mail, uh, handwriting and stuff. I haven't talked to him or, or corresponded with him in a long time, but... Chapter 1, The Science of Victim Selection and Preparation. Chapter 2, The Science of Traumatizing and Torturing the Victim. This is creating this mind control, this Manchurian candidate that we keep seeing. I mean, they've got all kinds of shows about Manchurian candidates. And you think the government's not really doing that? Come on, they always telegraph their punches. That's a tenet of the Illuminati. It's Luciferian, it's, it's like Lucifer's version of fair play. They do have some rules they follow. It's also a Kabbalistic principle. And in that regard, it is that they've, they say, well, listen, you've been warned, and we're going to take pleasure in the fact that even though we've warned you, you have no capability to stop what we're going to do to you. And we're going to take pleasure in that for your inability to do anything about it. That's another reason they do it. Number three, the science of drug use in the formula to create an undetectable total mind control slave. That's the book. So drug use is part of this. So we see these SSRIs involved every time, and that is their drug, I believe, of choice. Altering brain chemistry. The next chapter, the science of hypnosis. Oh, imagine that. Hypnosis is involved in it too. What did we just talk about? Number, chapter 5, the science of lying and deceit. Chapter 6, the use of electronics and electricity. Uh, chapter 7, the science of structuring. 8, science of body manipulation and programming. 9, the science of body manipulation and physiological programming methods. Uh, chapter 10, the use of spiritual things to control a person. 11, the science of internal controls. And 12, the science of external controls. Okay, so let's go further here. Uh, next report, 
you've heard me mention this DVD many times, called Beyond Treason, The Horrific Reality of Gulf War Syndrome. Now, this is just one, about one, you know, just Gulf War Syndrome here. And this isn't including all the, the other ongoing things that have happened before and since. Not to say this isn't still going on. But <clears throat> these are all official statistics. This actual report was from, um, <laughs> this was from 07, 2007. 12, 11, it was almost 2008. But um, if you look at this this link they give to uh, VA Gov, it's this big doc on the government, this is their own statistics. 73,840, 73,846 U.S. troops dead from, I believe, this Gulf War, since Gulf War. And this is near the top of page 6 of this government report. Whereas there are 1.6 million, over 1.6 million troops from the Gulf War that are permanently disabled. Now, there's 73, almost 74,000 that are dead, I believe, from the Gulf War. And then you have a number like 20 times that large, 1.6 million permanently disabled. Isn't that somewhat disproportionate? The U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs issues official report confirming 73,000, over 73, U.S. troops killed in Iraq. The same government agency report confirms that 1.6 million were disabled by the war. The Department of Veteran Affairs, in conjunction with the Joint Chiefs of Staff, has released the truth because they need the American people to know our military is literally being destroyed. They cannot release these horrific numbers via the chain of command because they are all under orders to conceal the truth at all costs. So they let slip a report which cannot be unslipped. And I give you a link to their websites, beyondtreason.com. I think you can go watch it online, too. Like, if you just key in, like, uh, watch Beyond Treason online, you know, you probably find it. It might be on YouTube. It might be somewhere else. Um, so, you've got, then, Unmasking Secret Military Projects. And this is a description of the DVD. Chemical and biological exposures, radioactive poisoning, mind control projects, experimental vaccines, Gulf War illness, and depleted uranium. Now, these are just a host of the reasons why our troops are so messed up. And a lot of the people that they, just civilians in the area, become so messed up as well. Because depleted uranium is the gift that keeps on giving for millions of years. I'm pretty sure it's millions or thousands of bare minimum. The radioactivity, um, which they're susceptible to that, just like, you know, in fact, they're going to live there the rest of their lives, whereas the troops come home, so they're more. Is the United States knowingly using a dangerous battlefield weapon banned by the United Nations because of its long-term effects on local inhabitants in the environment? Explore the illegal worldwide sale and use of one of the deadliest weapons ever invented. It's depleted uranium. Which is what they tip a ton of the ballistics that they use with. It helps to literally melt the whatever it's trying to penetrate. But it also 
once it, it, it strikes, whatever it's striking, it atomizes and it goes into the air and it just gets everywhere. In the air, food, water, everything. And it's radioactive. It's, it's you know, <laughs> really, really bad stuff. Beyond the disclosure of black ops projects spanning the past six decades, Beyond Treason will also address the complex subject of Gulf War illness. It includes interviews with experts, both civilian and military, who were there, who say that the government is hiding the truth from the public and they can prove it. The additional bonus CD-ROM contains thousands of pages of corroborating documentation, which can be viewed from most any computer via an internet browser. What you don't know about your government could kill you. Department of Defense documents obtained through Freedom of Information Act expose the horrific underworld of the disposable army mentality. See, they want these troops coming back damaged. They want them coming back where they're all on SSRIs, and then that gives them the further excuse to disarm the veterans, who would be the most well-equipped to ever mount a resistance to the New World Order. So they want them all totally disabled mentally, physically, body, soul, spirit. It's all being done by design. This disposable army mentality and the government-funded experimentation upon U.S. citizens conducted without their knowledge or consent. I just saw this thing the other day in World War II. These guys that were coming back with, uh, you know, shell shock or post-traumatic stress disorder, whatever you want to call it, battle fatigue. There's been all kinds of terms they've used over the years. They were giving these guys shock treatments, like, you know, 10, 20, 30. I mean, really, really horrific like being in like a, a loony uh, bin or whatever you want to call it, where where they they subject these these men to all of these horrific experiments, and some of them, uh, a whole bunch of them, into the hundreds, they lobotomized, which is the way they take essentially like an ice pick and jam it through the corner of your eye into your brain, which severs certain connections in your brain and supposedly makes you more docile. Yeah, they were doing that to our troops as well. So they've always had this disposable, um, you know, army. That's what I say. You go in the military, they're, they're, you're theirs. You're theirs. I mean, they can do whatever to you they want, essentially. Clinton passed an executive order. I'll, I'll get into it later, where they can inject anything they want in you. You can't even, you, you, you have no right to even know. And we all know Clinton's a great guy. I'm sure he always had your best, best interest of the troops at heart. Any type of, of armed services is probably the worst place you could possibly ever put yourself into, particularly in this day and age, regarding what they will do to you. And we're going to even get into more of that. I wish it wasn't the case, but it is. Um, these... The government-funded experimentation upon U.S. citizens conducted without their knowledge or consent. That's commonplace. Since death-dealing depleted uranium is in the process of killing one million American soldiers, now this is at the time of the writing, which was probably like seven years ago, and their wives, because they were able, literally, a lot of the physical things, they would literally pass on to their wives just from having intercourse with their wives. They were that toxic. I won't say more than that, but that's the case. Um, 
also over 550 million Islamic civilians from the depleted uranium that have been affected. We decided these stories qualified as very important. The truth is, is now developing, is turning out to be far more horrific than we've ever dared to believe. If you have not yet read our articles, this is from Cutting Edge, and perused our bookstore resources on the depleted uranium. There's a link here you can click on. Please take time to familiarize yourself with these contents. So, between the show Beyond Treason, I actually have the DVD and that bonus CD-ROM. I've just never been able to really look at the CD-ROM. It's thousands of pages of stuff, but... Um, between that and these links, if you want to get an education, you got all the resources you need. It's horrific. Just one more thing that the government's done to to totally annihilate, you know, the military. Um, here's, here's one. A listener testimony regarding military experimental vaccines. I read this a long time ago. This is from 2012, July. I'll just say it's from JV. Here's what JV told me. Here's a guy that was in the military. This is just one of the many I've got of these. Due to the audios you provided me and shared, I wanted to share with you. Before I was saved back in 2001, I decided to join the Navy. I will never forget what I had to go through when I reached the Great Lakes Training Center in in Illinois. When I graduated and when I reached my station in Puget Sound. Now I believe by the grace of God, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, with all the stuff that was injected into me forcefully that I was fully delivered from most of the side effects or some of the dangers from these poisons, but I do believe it came with a price as far as some damage. For one, I now have constant shaking in my right arm. Um, In essentially all places, I have been jabbed. I have psoriasis-type sores on me, which are basically scars now. Now, when I first got to basic training, I went through the regular yelling and screaming from the drill instructors on our way to the medical lab. This was our very first stop after being rushed off the bus. Because they got to get you good and vaccinated right from the gills, right from the very start. They got to they break you, start breaking you down and defiling your temple right from the very start with all of these cursed vaccines that they give you. We're going to get into that a little bit more later. And was accompanied by a slew of medical doctors once we were rushed off the bus. And looking around, I couldn't believe what I saw. Each of the examination booths had on its table 17 different syringes. And yes, it was 17 different types of vaccinations. And I know for sure one of them was to, quote, protect from anthrax. I forgot the actual name of it. And the six different flu vaccines, the other 10 were unknown. They didn't tell me anything when I asked. All I got was this response, quote, these will be beneficial for you. End of quote. These were this. This was the exact words from the MD. Huh? Where had I seen that before? Well, in my avian flu presentation, I give this quote from good old Bill Clinton. Remember what I just told you before? Well, here it is. Bill Clinton issued Executive Order One Three One Three Nine on September thirtieth, nineteen ninety nine. It denies servicemen the right to refuse experimental vaccines that are, quote, not yet approved by the FDA for their intended use. End of quote. Are you kidding me? You don't have the right to refuse an experimental vaccine that are not yet approved by the FDA for its intended use. In other words, these things could be so dangerous not even, the F, not even the corrupt FDA has approved them. And you have no right to refuse them or to even know what's in them. 
Why? Because you are that you are United States government's property. You have no more rights. They own you lock, stock, and barrel. And this executive order also denies them, the person receiving the vaccine, the soldier, the right to even be provided with informed consent of what they are receiving. Well, why don't you just inject me with cyanide? They could do that if they wanted. According to this wonderful executive order, obey the government no matter what. Where does it end? Where does it end? Well, the government says I should kill my mom. Well, then I guess you got to do that, right? Because the government's always just and always right. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'll obey the Bible. And if the government tells me to contradict the Bible, then I obey God. And let the consequences, whatever. It's, it's fearing God more than man is what it ends up boiling down to. A just, righteous government would never, ever, in a million years, do this garbage. And this is just one thing they've done. So when he said this, it really rang true with this executive order that I've known about. 17 different shots right off the bus. Drill sergeants screaming in your face to traumatize you so they'll soften you up so you won't even think about rejecting any of these vaccines. It didn't stop there, as after graduation, we went through two more weeks of actual schooling and were required to get five more unknown shots. And after I reached the USS Sacramento again, which is a ship, I was injected 14 more times. Are you keeping track? Okay, so five plus 17, we got 22. Okay, plus another 14, we're up to 36. And he says... So he's up to 36 vaccines. And a lot of these, I guarantee you, are multiple. Meaning there's multiple vaccines within the same shot. Like MMRI, measles, mumps, rubella. That's three vaccines in one shot. Oh, and that one's cultured off dead aborted babies? Yeah, and that's one of the ones that is. One out of the at least 17. Using as their culture, medium base, human diploid cells, which is a different aborted baby. An aborted baby. Yeah. Sure, that couldn't be cursed. I'm not making this stuff up. I've, I've covered this many times. Just key in vaccinations or in the keyword search box. Contendingfortruth.com um, So he'd been ejected 36 with 36 vaccines. He said, I didn't get one answer from anyone as to what they were. All I got was severe illness, lack of strength numerous times, vomiting blood, and many days where I would be in a constant state of a brain-dead stare into space zombie, into like a space zombie, basically. Thank you, USA. Uncle Sam, we salute you. It's like, here I am, Satan, do with whatever me you want. When you go into the armed services. Do whatever you want, Satan. I'm yours. It's what they expect. To this day, I still don't know what these poisons actually were, but I firmly believe as a former guinea pig that these were all trial vaccinations to later be placed into the public. Absolutely. That's why you're there. You're their test candidates. You're their beta test. 
You are 100% disposable. They hate your guts anyway. They want you damaged as quickly as possible so they can discharge you. You can go home and die. Or commit suicide. That's what they think of you. I'm convinced of it. I've seen too much information to even possibly convince me otherwise. Now, this was back in 2001. So who knows what they're experimenting with now. But I can almost believe that these swine flu vaccines, and that was what I was talking a lot about at the time, and any other newer vaccines they have brought about since 2001, were in use when I was jabbed a total of 36 times in one year. And many others were as well, but all the six different flu shots, they never told any of us what they were or what they were supposed to even prevent. Thank you for reading this. I feel free to share in a future teaching. This is real. I experienced it firsthand, and they actually do this. He's not the only one that's emailed me like this. We are the government's lab guinea pigs. We, when we enlist, and I can't imagine how many, much worse it's gotten 11 years later. God bless you and yours, JV. Whew. Wow. If that's not satanic, I don't know what is. Now, I'm, I'm out of time on part one, so I'm going to stop part one here, and we'll go to part two next. So God bless you, and see you in part two. Scott Johnson's 800-plus audio teachings and PDF documents are available for free 24-7 on the Internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G for F-O-R truth t-r-u-t-h dot com in addition we also offer a free christian current event and health email newsletter you can sign up at contendingfortruth.com these email newsletters typically only generate about three to six emails per month if you subscribe to both lists please prayerfully help us to continue this work for mail correspondence or to support this ministry our mailing address is 2359 Highway 70 Southeast, box number 321, Hickory, North Carolina, 28602. Or on the internet, a PayPal donation link can be found at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.